Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about woke media. Now, if you look back over how media has changed over the past 30 or so years, it's pretty clear that the TV shows and movies we watch have gotten quite a bit more diverse. I mean, if you compare older shows like Seinfeld and Cheers to newer ones like The Good Place and Modern Family, it's obvious that things have gotten a lot more multiracial. And we haven't just gotten more diverse in terms of racial representation since it applies to LGBT representation as well. Shows like Orange is the New Black and Handmaid's Tale have prominent LGBT characters. And before we go any further, I would just like to clarify that I don't think diversity in media is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there are non-white White people out there, there are non-cishet people out there, and if we want films and television that accurately portray the world that we live in, then yes, those stories should be told. Why not? However, I do think that in a lot of ways, culturally, we've reached a point where diversity in media is no longer just about trying to tell more stories or trying to more accurately portray the world around us. It's kind of becoming about trying to shove an intersectional progressive narrative. It's like we no longer have good storylines that happen to have diversity. Diversity has become the storyline, and this has absolutely come at the expense of good storytelling. So in this video, what I would like to do is discuss all the ways that, in my opinion, the push for diversity has actually begun to hurt film and television, starting with the fact that we can no longer have media nowadays that is not diverse. If you follow me on social media, you might know that I'm quite the true crime junkie. So when I found out that Netflix was coming out with a show called Mindhunter that told a fictionalized version of the FBI's efforts to begin profiling serial killers in the 1970s, I, I was sold. I was so sold. And after watching it, I can in fact confirm that that show is amazing. Season 1 was so good, cannot wait for season 2. But apparently, not everybody agrees with me. Because although one of the show's main characters is a lesbian woman who does have to hide her sexuality since it's the 70s out of fear of social and career repercussions, the show's main and I would even say supporting characters are white. And to be fair to the show writers, I don't think they have anything against non-white people, but keep in mind, this is a fictionalized telling of actual events that did happen in the 1970s, and a lot of the characters are based on real people who do happen to be white. But that justification just wasn't good enough for Bitch Media, our favorite feminist publication over here on this channel. In the piece Profiling 101, The White Mediocrity of Mindhunter, they recount a scene from the series and lament that once the behavioral sciences unit is up and running, we encounter a smart, personable black applicant who Tench recommends hiring. However, Carr has to coolly explain that they can't hire a black man because a large percentage of the subjects they interview are white racist men. The show's only acknowledgement of the role white supremacy and toxic masculinity play in mass murder and violent crime. These passing encounters with identities outside the white male experience feel vulgar in their brevity. Again, Mindhunter's creators seem to believe that a vague awareness of these issues is synonymous with addressing them, and while they're wrong, that's only part of the problem. The problem extends into Mindhunter's insistence on centering a white male character, which might indicate white male creators' refusal to acknowledge the writing on the wall when it comes to the success of diverse writing penned in neon in the form of box office numbers. But it also illustrates the impact of whiteness on creativity and the limitations it enforces. 
choosing Ford, who as a white male has less to fear from the serial killers than any other person, as the character we orbit in Mindhunter is the path of least resistance, creatively speaking, and in that way the laziness oozes from the script. Including a black character means having to deal with the FBI's anti-blackness or at the very least means making serial killers racism more than a single line delivered in passing. Like I said earlier, I'm for non-white characters being in media because there are stories to be told that have non-white characters. But at the same time, you cannot deny that there are stories out there where a majority or even all of the characters are white. I would like a quick minute of your time to tell you about our sponsor, the film Unplanned. Now, this film has had some controversy surrounding it, which you guys may have heard of, and a lot of people are viewing the MPAA's decision to give it an R rating as an attempt to dissuade Christians who may not want to see an R-rated movie from going to go see it. And that rating also makes it harder for young people to go see it, which is frustrating because young people are exactly the people out there who need to see this film to know more about the consequences of abortion. And in case you didn't know what the movie was actually about, it tells the story of Abby Johnson. She had two abortions, worked for Planned Parenthood, and was such a staunch supporter of abortion that even her own mother and her husband couldn't talk her out of it. She rose quickly through the ranks of Planned Parenthood and eventually became the director of the clinic where she worked. But everything changed when one day she was called in to assist with an abortion and she witnessed something that would affect the rest of her life. Unplanned brings an eye-opening look inside the abortion industry from a woman who used to be its most staunch supporter. So if you would like to check out the movie, you can head to unplannedfilm.com. That is unplannedfilm.com. I promise you that you will not leave the theater the same as when you came in. And again, that is unplannedfilm.com. Is a show being too white really a legitimate criticism nowadays, especially when that whiteness is historically accurate? And Mindhunter isn't the first show that I like to have this accusation thrown at them. Game of Thrones has heard it as well. As one article from the show's last season explained, this excuse for why Game of Thrones lacks diversity isn't good enough. The author laments of Game of Thrones, most of the main characters in the show are white. Of the seven great houses of Westeros, only the Martells, loosely based on the rulers of Moorish Spain, have non-white skin and speak with non-British accents. Many of the people of color who are named and have speaking roles are freed slaves or portrayed as noble savages, like the Dothraki, and it doesn't have to be this way. George R. R. Martin, the author of the A Song of Ice and Fire books that Game of Thrones is based on, has acknowledged the series' limited diversity. Also, the show's co-executive producer, Martin has explained that his fantasy world is loosely based on medieval Europe, and the politics in the show are inspired by the War of the Roses. Westeros around 300 AC is nowhere near as diverse as 21st century America, of course, he wrote on his blog in 2014. To this, the author concludes that on the surface, this seems reasonable. But actually, it's kind of BS. She explains that Martin created a fictional fantasy world, the keyword fantasy. While the approved art for the book series does show some characters as white, the fact remains that many of his descriptions could be interpreted differently or could have just been very different from the start. This series involves dragons and undead warriors and a very, very creepy witch. A ruling family of black people is hardly a crazy idea compared to that. The people in Martin's world could look any way he wants them to look. You see, this is what I was saying. We're at a point now where we can't even create fictional worlds based on medieval Europe where the majority of people are white. And this incessant need, this yearning, this compulsion for multiracial media wouldn't bother me so much if it were at least applied consistently, but the thing is, 
It's not. Other shows that were entirely or almost entirely racially homogenous, but that featured non-white people instead of white people, were praised by these people who claimed to need diversity in other shows. Newsflash to those people, diversity should not mean just non-white. It's supposed to mean a mix of people. You cannot call Black Panther's cast diverse when it is almost entirely black, and you definitely can't call Crazy Rich Asians cast diverse when it is entirely Asian. And it is okay to like those movies and for those casts to be pretty homogenous since it's okay and it often makes sense to focus storytelling on specific groups of people. But it's just a double standard to say that Black Panther is amazing, the greatest thing ever, super diverse, but Game of Thrones is too white, especially since Game of Thrones does actually feature quite a few non-white characters. The point I'm trying to make though is that some stories and timelines and geographies and fantasy worlds have a lot of white people and some don't. And either we want to tell all those stories or we don't, but we can't have it both ways. And the next way that I believe diversity is harming our media is that we are now taking existing characters and franchises and giving them new diverse attributes. Now, I think we all remember how controversial it was when the Ghostbusters remake featured an entirely female cast. That film ended up being pretty poorly received, and although the movie's defenders might say that those who hated it were just these huge sexists or misogynists, as someone who saw the film who actually watched it, I can confirm it was just bad. And next we have the all-female remake of Ocean's 8. And don't get me wrong, that movie was way better than Lady Ghostbusters, but still, when compared to the original or even the George Clooney Brad Pitt remakes, it leaves a lot to be desired. If you ask me, there's nothing wrong with having an all-female cast, just like there's nothing wrong with having an all-male cast, depending on the story that you want to tell. But in the case of Ghostbusters and Ocean's 8, I kind of feel like with Ghostbusters especially, more time and thought were given to making them girl power movies than just good movies. And what's frustrating about these situations is that, again, the opposite would not be tolerated. There is a huge double standard here. Films like The Last Airbender and Ghost in the Shell were absolutely just shredded by the media for whitewashing their characters. It's okay and actually encouraged and mandatory to make your franchises more diverse, but don't you dare make them less diverse. And so strong is our need to make existing characters diverse that we're actually doing it now even when it makes absolutely no sense. Look, I love me some Idris Elba, okay? I, I am a fan. He, he is quite the specimen. But objectively, doesn't make much sense, I think, for him to be playing a Norse god in, in a Viking fantasy world. Just throwing that out there. And as the BBC would go on to show us, Heimdall isn't the first time that European history has had a little bit of a, a blackwash. Can I say that? That is that okay? Welcome to Britannia. Do you know why we are here, son? The, the glory of Rome, sir. Yes, the glory of Rome. If this land is rich, rich, um, with gold, silver, tin, and wood for building to send back to Rome. And if that weren't enough, in partnership with Netflix, the BBC also gave us Black Achilles. When it comes to movies and film, then no, not everything needs to be historically accurate. I mean, Norse gods, Roman citizens, Greek legends, who cares what race the actor is? I mean, it's all about finding whoever is best for the part, right? 
No, the problem with the cult of diversity is that it is an inconsistent one. Once more, when the tables are turned and you have non-white characters becoming white instead of the other way, people freak out. As GQ reported about Matt Damon's movie The Great Wall, apparently Hollywood has made whitewashing China's problem. And in terms of changing the races of individual characters, who could forget the uproar that was caused after Disney dared cast not even a white person, but a biracial girl to play Jasmine in their new adaptation of Aladdin. Seriously, this was not a case of a real historical non-white character being played by a white person. This was a fictional Disney princess being played by a biracial person and people were still pissed. And confusingly, as RT reports, we also saw that Will Smith is not black enough for role as father of William's tennis sisters in new biopic. Yeah, sure, we could make Greek hero Achilles black, but you guys are mad that Serena Williams' father is maybe going to be played by an actor who is not quite dark enough. Are you serious? Either historical accuracy matters and race, gender, and sexuality are intrinsic aspects of a character that cannot be changed, or they're not. But, and again, this should be the moral of the story, you cannot have it both ways. And this brings us to the final way that I believe diversity as an ideology is harming entertainment, and that's by dissuading creatives from being creative. Like the article, Hollywood gets queer stories wrong, should straight actors play gay characters on screen by the independent displays, diversity has actually reached a point where it's not just enough for characters to be diverse, but the actors who play them also have to be. Now obviously this goes without saying when it comes to something like race because you can't have a black character without also having a black actor since blackface isn't a cool thing to do anymore unless of course you are a Virginia governor. But a lot of people nowadays are saying that when it comes to LGBT roles that they should exclusively be played by LGBT actors. The reasoning people have behind this is A, authenticity because I guess who can play a gay person better than an actual gay person and B, to give gay actors more opportunities than they might otherwise have. There are so few gay characters written out there that the role should be going to actors who are actually gay, not just straight actors who have plenty of roles available to them. And to those people, I've got to say, you seem to be missing the point of acting. The whole point of acting is to pretend to be something you're not. I do believe that straight actors should be able to play gay characters, and I also believe that gay actors should be able to play straight characters. So to all these people saying, no, the, the gay actors, they need these gay characters, because what else are they going to do? You can play a straight character if you're gay, there's nothing stopping you. If we've gotten to the point where we're preventing good actors from delivering solid and moving performances because they're not the right sexuality, then I think we need to take a step back and really examine what we're doing. Last year, actress Scarlett Johansson came under fire for accepting a role to play a trans man. Now, this movie was supposed to be set in the 1970s, and the character Scarlett Johansson was supposed to play was based on a real person who, as far as I can tell from pictures, never actually underwent any gender reassignment surgery in terms of the face. So from just a physical standpoint, Scarlett Johansson playing this role not really out of the question. But still, people were so mad that she, a cis woman, would dare play a trans man that eventually she pulled out of the role. And while some trans activists may have considered that a win at the time, the reality of the situation is that now that story of a trans man 
may never be told. As the rap writes, quote, the future of Rub and Tug is in limbo following Scarlett Johansson's exit from the project because of objections to her playing a trans man. According to an individual with knowledge of the project, it is unclear if Rub and Tug will actually go into production. The insider indicated it doesn't look good for the movie, which still has director Rupert Sanders attached. Johansson's production company, These Pictures, was a producer on the project and it's unclear whether Johansson and These Pictures will stay on to produce. Like it or not, the reality is not a lot of people are lining up to make movies about trans men in the 1970s. So if you actually did have a production company that was willing to do it and an A-list actress who can command star power and get people in their seats at that movie, if they had all agreed to the project, was the best thing for your advocacy really to attack her to the point where this movie now may not get made at all? Ultimately, to me, the idea of diversity in film and television is not a black and white issue. Pun very much intended. Diversity can mean more variety, richness, and authenticity in media, or it can become a burden that stifles creativity in the name of political correctness. And it seems to me that the problems start to arise when we put more importance on ideology than we do good, solid storytelling. Should the race, gender, and sexuality of characters in our media matter, or should they only matter sometimes, but not others? As always, I would love to hear your thoughts, but that's it for me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.